the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Spot Track, S P O T R A C, and get 40% off that first year subscription. It's a great synergy. If you spend any time on Spot Track over the past couple of years, you'll see that there's athletic articles built into every page, every player, every team on the homepage all throughout. And it provides you relevant, recent updates from the athletic writers, the great athletic writers, about what's going on with your favorite teams and players. And you can click directly through to those articles as long as you have a subscription with them. Theathletic.com slash track. Get you started today. Check out DynastyOwner.com as well. Fantasy football nerds, this is how to get serious. This is how to get customizable. All the bells and whistles you'd ever want with a fantasy football system, including real NFL salaries. It's the average salaries, there's real transactions. As players sign, you have to update your account accordingly. If you can't afford them, you got to trade players, release players, and fit it under your salary cap. That's how it works. Visit DynastyOwner.com today and use SpotTrack20 at checkout. Get yourself $20 off that registration. Get your friends signed up, get registered, figure it all out. It's complicated. It's fun. It's everything you want in modern fantasy football. DynastyOwner.com. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Sunday night. We're getting this one out of the way because we anticipate a big NBA week with the moratorium coming, the option decision deadlines for dozens and dozens of players out there. And then, of course, the July 1st free agency, not just for the NBA, but NBA, NHL, English Premier League Soccer, and plenty of others as these seasons roll into the offseason mode where we are in full gear. So busy week for us ahead. I'm not sure we'll get to that second podcast, but we will if any kind of breaking news hits, especially in the NFL or in the NBA leading up to that offseason. But for now, Scott's going to join me, Scott Allen, in the uh, meat and potatoes of this show. We're going to break down some thoughts he has on free agency just over the past couple of years and how it's been not just a crapshoot, but just kind of an unnecessary tool, right? It's kind of, uh, we're going to pay this guy anyway. Most of it's going to be an overpay, but we know we can get two years out of this guy and then push him off into either a single trade or as a packaged player in another trade. And Scott's got all the data to back up just how prevalent this process has been, that free agency is really just a feeder to maybe bring in a guy for one year for basketball purposes, but then use these, pl- these, these names as just tradable assets. And uh, he doesn't see that slowing down anytime soon as well. So we talk about that. We talk about some trade candidates. We talk about some teams that may be on the move this offseason. We talk about some of the draft and some recap in, recaps of uh, teams that made some big-time swings in that regard. And then odds. Some of these odds have shifted for the 2022-23 season. Why have they shifted? And trying to identify some value now before the offseason crazy gets going and some of these superstars get traded ahead of us. So lots to get to with Scott in the NBA this week. And uh, I will start with the NFL here up front. This is generally a very quiet time for the NFL. It's supposed to be the summer break. Everybody's gone. You're doing your family stuff. You're doing your vacations. Teams are having some light things, right? Some, some Zoom meetings, things like that. That's just how this stuff works. So this is a slower news week. So number one, don't read into things too much. A lot of places have to generate content right now. Okay. It's the lull. Just deal with it. Now we are going to have the Deshaun Watson, I believe, testimony with the NFL. He's going to sit down and be interviewed by the NFL. So we may get some legs with that. That's obviously a real story to follow. But you know, the Baker stuff, that's pro- it's probably not the week for the Baker stuff. Um, you know, any of the other movement that could happen here, some of those wide receivers that may be, uh, in, you know, gr- disgruntled with their current rosters, Debo, DK, who knows? You know, Hollywood Brown needs a deal out in Arizona along with the quarterback. 
there's going to be a lot of discussions, a lot of churned up discussions about that. I don't expect there to be too much movement over the next week, especially with the other sports kind of dominating the newsfeed. But look, the NFL has been a 12-month situation now for about five years, and they like to force their hand with some of this stuff. All right? So we may see a whole week of Deshaun from the NFL's perspective. They may push back now and actually start to make some noise with this. And by the way, they should. They should get involved now because I don't think the court system is taking us anywhere with that anymore. Yes, there's four outstanding um, civil suits. Some of that, you know, hopefully none of that turns criminal, but it may. And then we'll have a real situation outside of football. But for now, this is a football discussion. This is, he is a member of the Browns. He has not been put on any exemplist. Everything accounts toward the Browns, including his ability to show up and participate in, in workouts and, and training camp in less than a month now. So it's time for the NFL to step in on that. And I hope they do so at least just to say, all right, we've talked to this guy. We've talked to the team. We know exactly where everything stands now. We thought we knew. We definitely know now. There are some outstanding civil suits. We're just going to commissioner exempt this guy. He's going to make his money for now. He's going to be over here. He's away from the Browns. He can't practice with the Browns. He won't be attending camp indefinitely. Those kind of things. To me, that's where this has to go. So I hope that is the narrative that drives the next week. And it's not, you know, hot stove BS, although let's have fun with it if we want to. Or obviously any more issues that could happen because unfortunately this is the summer of the NFL where things go wrong. So hopefully there's not much more of that. I am going to identify some trade and extension candidates after the NBA stuff kind of cools down. There are some decent ones out there. You know, the Brown, the Bears, for instance, with David Montgomery and Rokon Smith and a couple of names, honestly. Uh, I know Robert Quinn is, is kind of uh, not, not showing up to things right now because of his contract. That's a bad team with weird contract situations. San Francisco's in a very similar boat, right, with Bosa and, and Samuel and the quarterback situation with Garoppolo, which they say it's on track. I don't even know what that means. Does it mean it's on tra- he's on track to be released without an injury settlement? He's on track to be offered as a trade candidate? He's on track to be traded to a team that has already agreed to do so behind the scenes and is just waiting for the medicals to clear? That's possible. Or he's on track to compete for our starting quarterback job this year. So there are some real stories to follow here. I just want to get through this week. It's a really weird NFL week. I want to push through that, and then we'll get back to some real stuff with some extension candidates, some trade candidates. And then as we get closer to camp, some 53-man roster projections and all that fun stuff. You can feel free to use our GM tool on spottrek.com. Go to the the, uh, team page that you wish. Click on Manage This Roster. You can start to cut, trade, release, restructure guys as you need to get them down from 90 to 53 over the next couple of weeks. So there's a lot of that to happen. Like I said, I'm going to push this out as kind of the fake NFL week and we'll get back to business as soon as possible unless something gigantic hits like Lamar goes to 250, you know, DK Samuel joins the Patriots. Excuse me, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel. There you go. There's a combo. One of them joins the Patriots. Something big like that actually happens. But other than that, let's just kind of pause ourselves on the NFL this week, even though they hate to hear that kind of stuff. Baseball. I have to promote something. It's, I spent a lot of time on it. I got some great work, some great reference work from Scott Allen and cousin Dan Soman. Um, t- collectively, we put together a piece on Shohei Otani. I've kind of promised this and teased this in the last episode with Dan. We had been discussing this stuff behind the scenes. It's, it's not easy. This is a complicated situation. Um, but we've, we did it with Aaron Judge. We did it with a couple other players in baseball. And we really kind of went through the process to understand how to evaluate Shohei Otani, who is signed this year at $5 million, arbitration eligible next year, and then 
approaching 30 years old, he'll become a free agent if he hasn't signed an extension at that point. So I lay out all of that and thoughts on that, by the way, the timeline, the process, the age, what the Angels situation could impact here because they're just a sinking ship yet again here in the AL West. But I ran through more than I've ever run through in an evaluation. I run through the off-field marketability of Otani, what his dual player status means for a team, the Angels right now, and what, and what they're able to do because he is that status. The, the, the risk of injury. Yes, he's had injury. He's had an elbow UCL, an UCL surgery. He has had some hit-by-pitch stuff because he's a full-time batter. And just how much there's further risk for injury, even right now, let alone when he's 30, 31, 35, and what that means as a dual player versus the injury status. And then the market value stuff. And, you know, I'll spoil a little bit of the process here to, to kind of get you to read it because I really want you to read it and give me some feedback on this because this is brand new. I've never done it. I don't know that many people have ever done this, but evaluating a dual player in Major League Baseball from a financial standpoint doesn't appear to be something that you can just go grab a book and learn how to do. So I took a really big swing at this one. And you have, you know, multiple paragraphs evaluating Shohei Otani, the pitcher, and Shohei Otani, the batter, and what that means now and what it means over the next couple of years. And then I give you four scenarios, four paths that he and the CA sports agency can go down, right? And there are four very different paths. One of them is crazy. One of them has a little bit more logic to it. One of them is my favorite. I think number three is my favorite, so I'll tease that up there. And then there's number four, which is kind of transitions us into the NBA discussion a little bit. And I kind of referenced that in the piece itself. So there's four very different avenues that I think Otani could take with his next contract. I don't even mention if it's the Angels doing it, if it's the Giants doing it, if it's the Mets doing it. I just kind of throw at, at you how to handle this player, regardless of where he is. Because if it gets to 2023 offseason and he's a free agent, you know, something we're going to see Aaron Judge become in a couple of months here. If it gets to that point, this is, the, this is the kind of discussion we're going to have to have. Now, hopefully he's still healthy and still doing this because, you know, I want this kind of situation to happen. I want this to come to fruition. We've never seen it. I'm not sure we'll ever see it again. Possible, but it's here now. And I really want this to get all the way to the finish line. So please read. Please let me know your thoughts. At Trek on Twitter, info at SpotTrek.com. If you want to email me some, uh, some thoughts, keep, keep them uh, PG, please. But let's kind of build this thing out together because this was fun. It was new. It took uh, three of us internally here to really talk out a bunch of times. And then uh, if we can get ourselves to a, a situation where we're talking about him as an open free agent, I think there's a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of Major League Baseball juice behind that. So for the sports standpoint, I hope we get there. But we're, uh, unfortunately, we're a bunch of months away from that point. So enjoy that piece on SpyTrack.com right now. Let me know your feedback. And uh, let's talk some basketball with Todd. All right, Scott, you did some homework. Self-induced. This is your, uh, <laughs> your doing. As the 2022-23 free agency for the NBA approaches, you kind of went backwards for a little bit. Some reverse research. Tell us what you did, why you did it, and where we stand with things. Yeah, so I looked at the top five NBA free agent contracts signed for each of the last seven years. I was curious to see if the top five contracts had players that stuck with teams or if there was movement or extensions, what is the status of those contracts? And I looked at strictly the, once the contract was signed, what was that movement within that contract itself? So 
How many times was a player traded? Did they the option get exercised or declined? Were they waived? Was there an extension? And I actually found some mm-hmm. fascinating information when all is said and done. Well, one of the reasons I think it's interesting is you're going to hear a lot of talk over the next couple of weeks that the free agent class is weak. We've heard that quite a bit. And at some point in time, somebody's going to have to poke a hole in this and say that actual free agency, you know, cap space in the NBA is just a lost art. It's gone. It's not even the, the right way to build anymore. If you kind of understand and read the tea leaves with how some of these contenders are doing their business. So to actually get into some of this, now let's put some, some uh, asterisks on this because in some of these cases, Clay Thompson, and there's a bunch of uh, versions of that. It simply got to July 1st, and then the same team signed that player back, right? There's some semantics involved with free agency, whereas if you're in the final year of a contract and your team doesn't extend you prior to that season, you're going to be a free agent. Is that Am I correct in saying that, Scott? Right. So in Clay Thompson's case, right. going into the 2019-20 season, they didn't extend him in the offseason preceding that. So as soon as the... Uh, season starts, they're no longer extension eligible because they're in the last year of a contract. This so, was Drew Brees basically every three, four years in New Orleans. <laughs> For some reason, they let it get to the league yep. year and then just pulled the trigger on it again. So it's not, it's not uncommon across other sports. I just think with the NBA, it's amplified because of that kind of that expiration rule. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. Give us some names here. And uh, let's start with some positives. Did you find that you know, a couple of teams with players swung big and it, and it definitely panned out. I, my guess is there's going to be more negatives than positive here based on how I preface this free agency stuff. Um, there were a few teams that showed up a couple times that I, I guess sort of surprised me in some instances. For, exa- for example, back in the 15 and 16 years, Memphis was the highest uh, with Marcus All and then followed with Mike Conley. Uh, you know, Golden State's Both in there. existing pieces to their championship runs. <laughs> right. You know, Golden State's in there. You mentioned Clay Thompson. Steph Curry ended up hitting free agency back in 2017, where he signed his massive five-year, $201 million contract. In, um, I guess the, the, the thing that surprised me the most was not so much how many trades there were, but the fact that there were five players that actually had extensions out of these uh, free agent contracts. So, you know, five is, I kind of expect that to be a little bit higher, but I'm glad to see that there were at least some extensions coming out of this. You mean uh, signed as a free agent and then extended with that team? Correct. Yeah, so, so for rare. example, so for example, Steph Curry uh, that I just mentioned, 2017, five year, two o, $201 million contract. He ended up signing four year, $215 million extension a- after the fact with that. Um, another example was, you know, Aaron Gordon, he was traded, but then Denver extended him. Um, and then Kevin Love had an extension. Uh, with the uh, with Cleveland, How about that. How about that's one of the names that has stuck. You know what right. I mean? Like, right. Of and, all and the then, names, that's one of the names. And the one that 
is going to be the most fascinating, obviously, with what's going on in the last 24 to 48 hours here is Kevin Durant signed his free agent contract with Brooklyn. He signed his four-year extension. Most of what has happened when I see, you know, with these was there was a trade and then something happened or they trade like in Aaron Gordon's, they traded Denver extended him in year four mm-hmm. the, right now they're from all of these top contracts that I looked at, there hasn't been signed an extension and then was traded. So if for some reason Durant ends up getting traded uh, within this contract, that's still in there because the, the extension doesn't kick in yet. So that'll be uh, something new to come to light. So the movement is nothing new, but you know, when you put it in this kind of context, you can see just how amplified it's gotten. Let me ask you this question as you did your research, because I'm sure there were some takeaways internally. How much of this was player induced in your mind? You don't have to have the numbers or anything, but you know what I mean? Like I, I wonder, Scott, is a guy moves once, right? Kevin Durant moves once. He gets that taste of leaving OKC and getting to Golden State and has his moment. And then immediately wants to have a new moment. LeBron has its moment, immediately wants a new moment. Now there's money involved with that. But I, I just wonder, it, once you kind of break that seal in the NBA and you move once and you taste how that feels and you taste how coveted you are on an open market or as a trade asset, I, I wonder if that doesn't become addictive. And, and to the point of where I, the grass will always be greener for these superstar players because they're constantly going to be coveted. Even as crazy and as bad as you may get Kyrie Irving, there are going to be two teams that want him right now, Scott. We know this. You know what I mean? Right. So I just wonder if it's kind of a drug that these superstars can't get rid of once they taste it once. Yeah, that's a good point. And out of what I've noticed here, there, there's really two, two baskets that fell in. One is the player may have been overpaid and then was traded year two, year three, year four, depending on how many years the contract was because of decline or just didn't fit with the team that they originally signed after the fact. The other was the induced, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard, he signed his massive deal with San Antonio, but then sort of punted on not wanting to be there anymore and was forced the trade out and went to Toronto in, in year four of the, uh, out of the five years that he signed that contract. Um, but for the most part, I think it was more of an overpay. And then the teams were like, okay, we just need to move on. You know, the mm-hmm. ones that stick out are, you know, Andre Drummond with Detroit mm-hmm. traded to Cleveland was waived and bought out in year five. Then you had Aaron Gordon with Orlando was traded to Denver. You know, he sort of wore out his welcome in, in, in Orlando and then moved on out Otto Porter jr. He was the fifth highest contract in 2017 free agency. He's been traded twice within that one contract. He went to Chicago and then Orlando in year four. So it's more of the overpaid, but the, the one thing that stuck out, whether it's player induced, team induced, was it's either year three or year four mm-hmm. of these contracts that players are being traded. And that makes sense. Man, that makes, yeah, it, I, it, it does. It makes sense that we had that phase where there was the one and one and the two and one. And then teams started to push back and say, look, and, and this is kind of a double point I'm making here. Look, 
we're, we're just going to sign you all the way out here. I know you want short term. We're going to get you out of here at the right time. But we need you under term to do that. We need you under term so that we can trade you as a tradable asset versus having to deal with a sign and trade, having to pump that out. You know what I mean? They would prefer to yeah. get, have an under term contract that's tradable versus having to finagle a new deal and then hard cap themselves to get them out, out of bounds. So there's been a back and forth. I feel like the players punched hard and got those contracts down into the one plus one player option situation. And slowly the teams have been pushing back properly because everybody can kind of compromise and work together here. But that's the whole point here, right? You talk about these overpays in free agency. That's it. Because it's not a five-year sign or a four-year sign in, in many of these cases. It's a two or a three. There's you know plenty of money to go around in that regard. And then that final year, that expiration year before it gets done, that's now a, a big, healthy, tradable salary that in a lot of cases can bring back two to three players for that one big contract. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the instances of signing was the Paul George. He signed and then, you know, he was traded in year two to, to Los Angeles. So that was a situation, I think, where, all right, we're going to sign him and then flip him for whatever we can get for him. They got SGA and, and some picks. But um, the reason I went down this path was how, you know, the free agent crop is not stellar this year. But if, say, a Jalen Brunson, you know, everyone is rumoring him to go to the Knicks. You know, if he signs a four-year deal with the Knicks, can we just assume that after, you know, in year three, <laughs> he's, not fired? Yeah. <laughs> he's not even going to be on the Knicks because maybe his value is up or they overpaid and now he's just a contract that doesn't work? I just found it extremely interesting, the amount of contracts, I mean, uh, that were traded. I mean, we're talking over a, the seven year span, including the last three years, even though there's a majority of players that are still on those teams, 40% of the players that signed their contract had been traded within that one contract itself. Right. And then if you add on to the rumors of Tobias Harris, Durant now being, you know, mulling his future, Anthony Davis has been coming up. John Collins sounds like he's all but out of Atlanta. Duncan Robinson. There, there's five players there that have been talked you know, about. Let's, so, let's do this because you're right. I, I quickly started to just roll back on our free agent tracker here at, 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 to supplement this conversation. Let's, let's go through just the top three signed free agent contracts over the past bunch of years here. Right at the top of the tracker. All right. So if we just go to last year, we just roll back to 2021, last summer. The top contract signed was Kawhi Leonard a player who everybody knew was not going to play this year. Do you know that's, that's the second time that's the, that's the second version of this on this list in the past five years. You already mentioned Clay Thompson. They knew it. They knew they were bringing back a player who wasn't going to be able to play, but they, they, they just wanted it under contract for obvious reasons. Dur Durant was the same situation. Exactly. The, the, that's how much of a, we don't really give a, you know what free agency has become in the NBA. <laughs> and you, you mentioned how many trades there've been and how, there's kind of a lack of respect for free agency. We don't even see guys get to it anymore. We don't even see guys get here because you're right. Before it expires, before these contracts have to actually expire, yet they're shipping them off to either a team that wants them or a team that want, will buy the contract. And then something happens from there. The, the rollover game in the NBA is unbelievable. Even for bad players, they continually just continue, you know, get maybe smaller contracts the, the more they diminish on the court. But well, it's not I'll, like I'll, they fall out of the league. You know what I mean? Right. How many guys actually fall out of the league? Danny Green hurt for the year. His career may be done. Traded. Traded. I mean, <laughs> that's where we are right now with this sport.
Yeah, and and I'll add to that the fact that teams are getting smarter with using their ability to extend players, whether it's for one, two years, so that they're not even getting to free agency because they know they have control over those players and then can just flip them to another team for assets or whatever it might be. So we're starting to see, you know, Boston did it with Josh Richardson. He, they extended him the one year, sent him to Dallas, but he would have been a free agent or a a potential free agent. And so teams are starting to realize that we do have a lot of control and we can sort of skirt that free agency period with extending players early or at least extending them to a one or a two year deal just to extend a little bit. And then there's that, the issue with, uh, I guess it's not an issue, but the sign and trade situation where, you know, we, we can sign a free agent and don't need cap space. So we're going to go that route, even though it may hard cap us, we know we're not even going to be anywhere. I do think we'll start to see less of that. I, I just think that's probably going to put some teams under the gun a little bit too hot and uh, we'll start to see that push away. So that may be a bit of a reversion to standard free agency for some ca- in some cases, but many of these contenders are so far over the, the threshold, they can't free up enough cap space to do anything ever. Right. And they operate Absolutely. that way on purpose. So Kawhi at the top, you got Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry last year. That, that was specific. You know, one stays, one moves, but for specific reasons, actually the exact same reason, veteran point guard to kind of round out a young team. Uh, you know, Norman Powell's a top five contract from last year. I, I, I w- he's already been traded once. I, I bet he gets traded again. <laughs> if I had to put it on the list, he's on one of my trade candidate lists for this offseason. If we just roll back a couple more years, Scott, you mentioned the three injuries. Injuries. It, there's just so many players here who were, let's, let's try it out and then push on from there. Now, Anthony Davis is one of the better examples, you know, but, you know, it took heaven and hell to get him. He had to do what he had to do to get out of New Orleans in the first place. So you can't really call that a traditional free agent signing by any regard. That was, I want to go there. I'm under contract here. We have to make this work so that eventually I can sign there. It was ugly. It's gross. It's not good for sports. But you go below that, Gordon Hayward, good luck. Try. You know, Davis Bertans, Fred Van Fleet, it, he, you know, he's going to stick around in Toronto for a bit. But can, is it safe to say at the most, Two out of the five top contracts in each of the past five to six seasons are somewhat stable, and everything else is just completely on the table all the time. Yeah, it's probably safe to safe to say that. I think you can extrapolate that out to the whole league, not just in a free agency discussion. I feel like at any point in time, there are two players on a roster that are probably untouchable, and everybody else can be in any conversation, and and that's that's nuts. That's really nuts for a 12-man, 15-man roster. But that's why the league is what it is. And it's why July 1st and honestly, the five or six days preceding that puts you to work so so hard and gets everybody riled up But you know, at the end of June because the NBA continues to do this and push the envelope. Yeah, you're, you're right. There are a select few that are truly untouchable. And the fact that the conversation of Kyrie and Durant mm-hmm. that just opens up the door for 29 other teams to say, there's a chance. Yeah. What can we throw at the nets to potentially have a Kevin Durant on our team or, you know, all right, maybe I can, maybe Kyrie will fit on our team better than, you he know, is 
Brooklyn. Scott, that's such a great point because it's it's something we just don't see in most of these other leagues. You know, baseball's not dangling Mike Trout out there every every trade candidacy. You know what I mean? Every, every deadline that comes up, we don't have his name. We're going to maybe sooner rather than later, but it doesn't happen every offseason like it does in the NBA. And when you have superstars, the top five to 10 players being dangled like they do often, that, that makes everybody else, even the tier two players on the board. So, you know, you glaze over a name like DeMar DeRozan, a player who joined Chicago and made an unbelievable impact. But if you could replace him with Kevin Durant tomorrow, you would do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yep. while you have value in DeRozan's contract because you didn't max him out, you got him under $29 million a year, and it's a short-term deal. It's really nice for Chicago. They would move off of that in, in 14 seconds if Brooklyn called with that offer. They would. So... It's it's a top down situation. It really is a trickle down league. And when players like LeBron and KD and Paul George and Kawhi want to move, and they do, and often maybe every two to three years, nobody's safe. And that's why this conversation is relevant because even your 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 overpays in free agency have relevancy because they're trade pieces. Yeah, and an un, unintended consequence of a superstar getting traded or being potentially on the block to get traded is those middle tier players, tier two, tier three, because of salary matching purposes in the NBA, yeah. those players have the ability to still get moved. They're just not stuck on the team or stuck on that roster, depending if there's coaching turnover or anything like that. So those players may end up going to a team that fits their personality, fits their style better than the team that they actually are on because maybe they signed in free agency with a certain coach and then that coach got fired and then you're stuck on that roster with a new coach that you don't really fit in. So the, the way the NBA is structured really truly does allow not only superstars to get moved, but the middle tier and even the lower minimum salary guys, because they can either get packaged in for adding in to just get to that next threshold of a salary matching or because they're minimum salary guys, they can just get moved willy-nilly whatever they want because they're a, a minimum salary exception is what it's called. So those guys can go for free wherever they want if they're tagged as a minimum. Yeah, the Lakers certainly tried to make that work, and it did not. Um, <laughs> and I don't think anybody will try that again. On that point, let's flip this on its head and kind of finish this conversation this way. We just had a finals. that inclu- Is it finals or final? Finals, the I believe. The Stanley Cup final. And the NBA Finals. That's correct. All right. Correct. We just had a Finals where we had two franchises that have had consistent top three players for a long time now. And I know Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are young, but it's, it's not fair to say they're only 24 and 25, but not talk about the fact that they got here at 18. Right? I mean, they've been here. They, they, they've gone through a coach. They've gone through a, you know, an entire phase of the Boston Celtics. So they're, they've, they're established. There's a pedigree. They have wear and tear on them internally. Both of those teams, obviously, Golden State. Is that going to raise eyebrows? Was this just an anomaly season where those kind of things just got to the finish line? Or is this going to slow the pace of this? Let's scatter to get better everywhere and maneuver and move this roster around as much as possible because teams that sit on their hands in the NBA are, are behind the eight ball. Um, I think what we're starting to see is not, teams not trying to necessarily mimic what Boston has done or what 
Golden State has done. Mm -hmm. They're doing their own kind of roster construction. But what we saw in the draft a couple nights ago is it's what the NBA has wanted for a long time where you build through the draft. So Detroit, Oklahoma City, Orlando Magic, those teams, I think, did really well in this draft. And we're probably going to be talking about these teams if everything gels the way these teams are expecting them to. We may be seeing them in deep playoffs, maybe even in the finals in five, six years. Yeah, it's going to take that long, most likely, because it takes that long for those rookies to actually figure things out. Look, at Jason Tatum has been in the league six years, finally made it to a finals, and things are starting to click. He he has some things to work on, but you know, those teams are doing what the NBA has wanted them to do, and if they, those teams can really gel, then they're they're essentially making their big three internally okay, without so, having to do so, so Scott, reach. isn't that what I'm saying though? I, I think you're reiterating what my point was, which is an internal homegrown drafted situation with at least their top two, top three players. And Boston, you can include Marcus Smart in that conversation if you want, and to some degree Al Horford. But that is how those teams operate. Yeah. Yeah, you know? it is. I was I was adding on to it. The and example would back- be the you know the Lakers, the Clippers, uh, most others. You know, Brooklyn. Miami. Miami was fabricated. <laughs> they were built through the, through trade for the yeah, most part. Brooklyn. They're a better example of homegrown too. But Brooklyn, yeah, of course. Um, well, I think the homegrown that you you know for the most part. Milwaukee with Giannis with and the exception Chris of Holiday. Yes. The exception of Holiday. Yeah. They needed that one extra piece. They made the trade. And that's sort of what we've seen in the end in the NFL of late, you know, the, yes. the Rams making their trade or the Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo very made, homegrown with the exception of a couple of puzzle pieces. But, yep. That's but right. They, but they know when they need to strike to make well, a trade. And the Phoenix or Suns, Scott. And, and the, the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. Suns. Yep. So I, right. I, I can't even... I can't even stop naming names of the NBA teams that have gone this route. So to me, in answering my own question here, I, I have to think that's where the majority of, of basketball wants to be going versus we can sit here and talk about how helter skelter the offseason gets and how much movement there is. And you, you may see Kevin Durant moved in the next month. I, I don't think that's out of the realm here. Um, and there may be some other big names that go. I just wonder if that starts to dial back just a bit, Scott, just a bit, because you're right. There's a world where we can build younger and establish ourselves with players who are 75% of themselves. You know what I mean? Durant's about mm-hmm. 75% of himself now, so it's, it might be the right time to drop him onto a young roster anyway, you know, a Memphis or something like that. But I think you're right. I think you used the word gelled, and that's correct. That seems to be everything I heard out of Orlando from the front office after they were interviewed about Paulo Bencaro. I That's what this is all about. He, he's the guy that's going to come in and make everybody else that's here way, way better immediately because that's what he's done. That's what he was asked to do at Duke, a, lo- a roster that was loaded with NBA players. So th- that's, that's the mindset right now is it's not even about bringing in an absolute freak superstar player and hoping that he can just carry us to the promised land. It's about, look, we've, we've been working for a half a decade with these number one picks and maybe a couple of free agents that we're trying to rebuild on. That's certainly Orlando right now. And, you know, projects. And maybe we just need a glue guy. And if that glue guy can put up 25 and 15 and, 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 you know, and also have some nights where he goes 40, then so be it. I, I think that's exactly what they want out of Paulo. 
And to me, it states the team building mantra that we're talking about here out loud in front of everybody so they can see it. Nobody's going to come out and say, we need to be Golden State. That's impossible. (laughs) It's just like nobody came out and said, we need to to find a Tom Brady and become the New England Patriots. Nobody says that out loud because it's crazy talk. But there's a, there's a, a second version of that, you know, a, a more capable version of that, you know, Houston Astros and baseball, certainly some of the, the NFL teams you talked about. Um, there's, there's a version of that where if we work hard enough for three to four years, and, and unfortunately being bad is part of that working hard, we can do this right. So I, I, think, it, I think that's good for the sport versus let's just throw around 50 mil and, and trade superstars every three months, which is fun and super transactional. But I'm not sure it's great for the sport long term, you know? Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, from the, you know, Oklahoma City, we've been downing them. When are they going to pull the trigger? I think they're they're getting to that point that we saw them, you know, fork over some picks. And but I think they're they're putting things together correctly. But they were they were a team that was like, we'll take on bad contracts. We'll get these assets. I think. To a certain extent, maybe that is what mm-hmm. the New York Knicks are yeah. trying to do. I potentially, I don't think those two things should be compared right now. That, that, but <laughs> my my point is, we're seeing where teams are utilizing their picks appropriately yeah. for roster construction and filling in the gaps that are needed through the draft, whereas. Like you made a point with the Lakers. They're just trying to throw darts at a wall right now with free agents and hope something sticks with, you know, older players and the the Brooklyn Nets. They had some homegrown guys, but then they short of, you know, they, they let them go to free agency or they traded them away and brought in free agents and tried to make a lot of different pieces stick together. And it really hasn't worked. And now if both or one leave, then it really probably hasn't worked at all. Uh, so I, I do think with the you know these new GMs, they're mm-hmm. starting to realize the roster construction and it having having players that come in all together and are young together, and if their personalities really click, then it just makes the team that much better. Yeah. I think it says a lot that Brad Stevens moved to the GM booth off the sideline and, and didn't blow that roster up. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. And he may have had pressure. That may be exactly why they put him there in the first place was so that somebody didn't come in and want to put his hands on everything new. Um, But he didn't, he he kept what he had just unsuccessfully tried to, to, you know, finish intact because that was the proper way forward for that franchise and it just paid dividends no question about it let's get uh let's get hot stovey and get you out of here i know you hate this so i love doing it to you ready (laughs) july 1st is around the corner here you know what's going to happen we're going to get slapped in the face with four things we didn't even see coming so i'm going to try to guess here ready did the sacramento kings draft solidify darren fox's spot or is he on the move Mm. i think he's staying scott I believe he's going to stay. Otherwise, you take the point guard, right? You take yep. Ivy. Yep, I agree. Okay, Jeremy Grant's already gone. He was at the top of my list. Christian Wood, already gone. He was near the top of my list. Let's stay in Houston, though. John Wall, what do we know about Houston now after this draft, which I thought was excellent for them? There's some cap space there. 
I don't think they're going to push. I think they're going to buy a bad contract, but I still think they have to get off of this one. Is that possible? Yeah, Is this just a like, buyout, Scott? Yeah, it sounds like from what I read this morning, everything is trending towards a buyout. Okay. All the way? He's um, got to be pissed, right? Does he, yeah. does he take even a dollar less from them? <laughs> yeah, I think what ends up happening is what we've seen in the past with buyouts, that he'll probably give back somewhere around 6, six. to $10 million because of the what the mid-level exceptions are. Mm-hmm. So it would just be overall the cash that he would make is most likely going to be a wash as a total of $47 million, whether it's between two teams or not. So yeah, my guess is he gives back between 6 and 10. Is he a Kyrie replacement? Mm, possibly. Yeah. I think there's a part-time role for him there with Patty Mills, possibly. Speaking of New York, Julius Randle. Are the Knicks tearing this down, or are they holding court for it now? And is that even a tradable situation? Mm, I think it's a tradable situation. I think it'll depend on where a lot of the bigs that, and Keith just, uh, posted his free agent mm-hmm. rankings for the centers. So in power forwards uh, uh, here the last two days. So I think a lot's going to depend on where a lot of these bigs end up in free agency themselves. And then if a team is out, but they still feel that they need, then they could potentially go that route. It, it seems like New York is kind of ripping it down, but then again, I think it's going to depend on if if they're truly going after Jalen Brunson and they do get him mm-hmm. and they probably are going to overpay for him, then maybe you don't rip it down because then you have a big and you have your point guard and you can go from there. I don't know what to do there. Right, Keith and I talked about it last show. He had some optimism for the fact that maybe they really are ripping down right now. And, you know, not that they have to go all the way down, but... Um, you know, it's not a it's not a secret, Scott, that their current coach Tibbs is not a bringing the youth. No, you know he's he likes the gnarly vets. He likes the guys maybe that are even a little bit angry at, at life. And uh, <laughs> you know, I think things got a little bit too cozy last season, is what it looked like to me. So I do think there'll be a bit of a uh, shakeup, and, and it may it may be a loud shakeup. So if you if you go to the site and you take a look at the multi year you'll notice 2324 has yeah. a lot of red which means club options and restricted free agents yeah. and i think if you're the the Knicks you either sell off some pieces right now or you just wait until 2324 next year free agent and you don't you don't exercise any of these options and then you have ultimate space and you yeah, maybe you hope that a free agent wants to go there, but it hasn't been a free agent destination for years. But it may be a situation where, because they have the team option, they're, you could sort of consider them as expiring to some team. So they may be able to ship them off, get some picks. And you know, if they're going to pull the Band-Aid off in one way or another, they just need to, they need to pull it hard mm-hmm. and – get get as many picks as they can to restock because if if what Detroit and Orlando and Oklahoma City are doing and it works, then that may be the route that the Knicks need to go. But they, again, they're going to need the right coach in place because if you have a coach that doesn't want the youth, then it, it's a moot point. 
it's trending in that direction. To me, the only guy that could change that narrative, and I, and I like Brunson, but it's this guy next on my trade list, Donovan Mitchell. Is that a genuine situation, Scott? Um, I would put Rudy Gobert. You first. would. Yeah, I would. I think I think a lot of signs are pointing to Gobert getting moved at some point or another. Um, so I would put him before Donovan Mitchell getting moved. See, I think the Knicks are going to go hard at him, Scott. I, well, I really I'm not do. saying the Knicks. Sorry, I'm not saying the Knicks are going to go after Rudy Gobert. I'm just saying mm-hmm. I think Rudy Gobert goes first. But I can see there there have been rumors of Mitchell to New York. But if I guess the question is, do you do you want Jalen Brunson, who may have had a you know that Joe Flacco moment where he not not that he won the championship, but he had a a stellar year, and then you overpay, or do you? try to pull a trade for Donovan Mitchell. That's yeah. something the front office is going to have to decide. But are the pieces around either kind of point guard to move forward? I mean, it could be – that could be a, just another disaster waiting to happen where a superstar player in Mitchell goes to the Knicks and just fizzles out because there's nothing around him. No question, but I'm not going to put it past them. Bradley Beal, seems like it's going. Yeah? Yeah, signs are pointing towards that. Sure, I think so. I think it's uh, Philly. I, 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 I really do think it's Philly. I, I, I do think, I mean, being here and watching him, it, it would stink to see him go, but I think it's time. I think, I think he is in a moment where Kevin Durant felt that he needed to get, get out of Oklahoma City or LeBron needed to get out of Cleveland to get over that hump and win a championship and, and have – some fresh eyes with a fresh franchise. I think Beal is probably at that moment right now where he is considering that I I need, I need to change. I need some other superstar. I've heard some interesting takes of where, you know, where people think that he might go. Um, But I, I think all signs point, even though he could get a lot of money by signing the five year deal with Washington, if you feel that this is not a place that you can play, they, they, these these guys have made gobs of money already. So if championship is the thing that you need, then you've got to leave. Yeah, it's not happening soon, even though it's a better roster right now. Any of the offseason stuff we got to get to here? Much to throw out some important dates and all that so we can all kind of be on the same page over the next week. Yeah, so June 29th is a big day. That's when all the options, team options, club options for non-rookie scales are due. So you're going to start seeing a lot of options being exercised or declined. So those are going to be things that are going to be coming up. A bunch of players have already said that they were going to exercise or not. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got the free agency negotiation period starts June 30th at 6 p.m. That is that is new over the last couple of years. Uh, Used to be midnight and they've kicked back to 6 p.m. But actual contracts cannot be physically signed until July 6th at 12 p.m. So all the negotiations that are going to go in there, you're going to start seeing us putting in these contracts and they're going to be in pending mode until July 6th when they start becoming official. So yeah, let's, um, let's actually explain this out loud so that um, we can try to make it as, le- as least confusing as possible. So you've built a way to basically queue up transactions with the NBA, which, you know, if there's a trade, 
but it isn't yet official. Hasn't been announced by the league. Hasn't been announced by the teams. Uh, you, 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 you believe that it's best case to not actually process that transaction on spot track because timing is everything with this league because of the tax and the cap and all, and, and all those little thresholds that have to move around. And a lot of these trades have three, four teams, six, seven players, and there's a lot of moving parts and, and the, the order in which things happen, you know, there's a trade with this team, then there's a trade with this team, then maybe there's a new contract here and blah, blah, blah. But the order, the hierarchy is the only way that they can make the math and the money and the thresholds work out. So you and Keith do God's work over the next two weeks, understanding why something hasn't been announced yet. And then when it has been announced, the order in which it's announced so that you can then process it properly and get all the numbers in the right order and keeping everybody cap compliant and whatnot on the site. So you're right. There's a box at the top of every team page, right? That's basically going to build out pending moves. So if the player has been announced that he's going to sign there, but it hasn't been officially announced, you'll see the player and the projected contract there, but it won't impact the cap and the tax for that team just yet, right? Correct. So like if you went to the Knicks right now, speaking of, you know, the Kemba Walker trade has not been official. So he's up at the top as a pending transaction that he is going to go to Detroit at some point um, because you're right. The timing is extremely important. There are times where we may get a on June 30th at 7 p.m. that said player is going to sign a contract, but he may not actually physically sign it until July 23rd because of rights that they may have if they're re-signing with a with their own team and the team wants to utilize their cap space or they want to sign certain they they have a lineup of things that need to happen or a trade needs to process first so they do that and then they will sign so that if they're utilizing a, an exception they'll they'll do so so the timing is absolutely everything and in some cases certain teams that are going to be cap space, you know, they may lose their cap space going into the new league year. Like Oklahoma City, if if they're going to absorb contracts, they're going to do it between now and June in that negotiation period because when the new league year hits, that cap space is going to are, are, is going to be gone because Shea Joseph Alexander, he's going to come onto the books and then they're all these cap holds so that their their cap space is going to be gone. And if a team operates under the cap space when we get to the new league year and they renounce a lot, then trade exceptions will disappear. Right. So a lot of there's a lot of working parts that have to happen. Um, but the, when the new league year does start, July one, uh, first round picks, those can be automatically signed. Those do not have to wait until July 6th. So uh, Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, all those guys, they can sign immediately their contracts. And Can I ask you a the, question that I don't know the answer to because this isn't you know, the, the, the sport I follow the most? You, you're talking about OKC, and Keith, Keith has mentioned this quite a bit too, that it's kind of rare that a team has this much space exiting the, the current league year. It's correct. almost $22 million. It, It's significant. Yep. Julius Randle had a $19.8 million salary last year for the Knicks. It, could they acquire him on last year's salary right now it, with cap space? Oh, yeah, they could, they could absorb it completely, and then New York would 
get a Monster 19 trade million trade, um, um, 19 trade exception and go from there. So yes, the, they can use that cap space and absorb. They did that with the, uh, uh, Horford, Jermichael, right? yeah. Jermichael Green. They brought in him absorbing some of that cap space using him. They didn't have to send anything back, but picks. Uh, so, but everything will be yeah. working on 21, 22 numbers, right? Correct. Yeah. So that's, it's, inconceivable but it's possible mathematically possible that they could trade julius randall to the okc thunder right now with using using remaining cap space yes wow all right sir anything else on this league before the craziness starts mm. we didn't really talk draft on on here too much i i, I kind of reserved that for keith yeah I, I assume uh you know you weren't super blown away with anything i think detroit was a winner for you houston was a winner anybody else stand out to you no, I think Houston, Detroit, Oklahoma City, I think they're all winners. They did what they needed to. Mm-hmm. No no massive surprises, which... Did you expect way, more trades, Scott? Because that's kind of what you're I, doing during the draft. I did. Okay. I expected more trades, and I actually expected leading up to the draft or you know, maybe a big name that may have get, gotten moved. Hmm. Um, and we're actually sort of in a, in a wall right now where it's pretty quiet. So over the next... Uh, 24, 48 hours. I'm expecting there to maybe be a little bit more of a, a ramp up of, you know, rumors or maybe a blockbuster trade that gets agreed upon or whatnot, especially knowing that the free agent market is not stellar. So it's kind of in a calm before the storm right now, but I'm sure as soon as it hits, everything's going to hit the fan. Yeah. All it takes is that LeBron for Paul George trade and everything will be off and running, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of stuff that could happen here. Right. And, 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 and those are the things that come out of nowhere. I, I mean, remember, you know, I, I, what was it? Chris Paul got traded out of nowhere or yeah. James, whatever it was, th- th- these things come out of nowhere. And that's why I say right now we're really the calm before the storm. And then all of a sudden, you know, we may stop recording and then there's going to be a Woj bomb that comes and, and everything else crazy. But the, the, the things that I'll push right now are the, the pieces Keith has been uh, getting up for us, all the free agent rankings that he's gone through. He's ranked them off of all-star, if they're a starter, if they're a rotation, or they're just fringe players. Right. Re- really good stuff. If you want to dive into... You know what centers are available and what are could be you know starters on a team. Uh, he did a really nice job of breaking these down and and check them out. Yeah, and before that, he and it was about a, it was a while ago, but it's all really relevant still. He did a a, a blow by blow piece on on option decisions. So that's coming up in just a couple of days here, really about seventy two hours. Yeah, um, options, all the clubs, dates. all the player options. Right when 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 everything's kind of due. And his thoughts on, on what may happen with each single decision. So it's it's all right there on spotrick.com. Keith's been doing great work. Yeah, and I, I went through and I made sure to update all the players that have options and all in, in guaranteed dates. And I made uh, all the notes updated to show if a player, if they're not guaranteed until January 10 or right. when their option dates are, I made sure all the notes on those players were updated. So if anyone goes and checks those out, they should be there. Any questions at spot on Twitter, Scott, who's going to win the NBA finals in 2022, 23. Oh, I got to my spoiler. Uh, no, I, you don't have to. I, I'll, I'll, I'll how about give this? you, how about this? Let's, I'm not going to make you pick. Cause I like doing that, you know, later well, in, the, in the off season. Yeah. Brooklyn is okay. plus 900 now, Scott. 
Yeah, they they moved from plus seven hundred to plus nine hundred. Yeah. Um, the the team that I have my eye on. Wait, we have to talk about what that means quickly. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean that's Sorry. movement. That's movement. It is movement. It's not because Milwaukee and Boston are being bet up. Let's put it that way. It, that can't be Kyrie. There has to oh, be. Oh, it some, was. No, there no, no, no. There has to be some internal discussions with these odds makers about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant moves the, moves the needle that much. I don't no, think Kyrie moves the needle that much. Stop. I, I, I do, because what I did is I've been sort of tracking these odds over the last few days, and I, I tra- tracked the odds on June 23rd, the day of the draft, but it was at like 9 o'clock in the morning, and then I did it. I checked the odds again during the draft and then <laughs> the next morning to see, and the plus 700 was on June 17th. June 23rd of the draft of the morning was at 750. And then it went to 900 during okay. the draft. Okay, slash but wasn't episode. that the morning that KD came out and said, I'm closely monitoring the Kyrie situation? Uh, that was when more so when Kyrie said, I'm, I'm, may or may not want to be here right. his his so it's a his, combination I, it, it I is a combination so yeah. i think both but i think the first move was movement was the initial 750 to 750 was the Kyrie conversation and then the kd following up sort of pushed it utah's higher. plus 4900 the bulls are plus 4800 there's a lot of people that think those two teams are going to play ball together this offseason doesn't that make one of them markedly better? Yeah, there are a few teams that this could. That's why these blockbuster trades. That's what I'm saying. Teams, I'm trying to teams, get ahead of it here. I'm trying to have like a I, final conversation and get ahead of one of these blockbusters, you know? Yeah, I, I completely get it. And, it. and this is, I did this with Golden State last year. I tried to read the tea leaves mm-hmm. and I, I put down for Golden State thinking, Bradley Beal was potentially going there in a trade. It didn't happen. Yeah. But then my other thought was, well, if Clay Thompson comes back halfway through the year, that's like a trade in itself. And if he comes back, even at 75% of himself, and we saw where everything went with that. So sort of, you do have to read those tea leaves to a certain extent with some of these teams, because if Kyrie goes to, like you said, uh, what Chicago, mm-hmm or whatever the other team that you mentioned was that's that could potentially swing them you know 2000 points there or 1000 points and you miss out on that so you kind of have to try to do your your best guess of who has a deep roster who do you think potentially he could go to or anyone you know if KD leaves he's really going to swing a lot of these odds I like it I like it. I, I'm struggling to find another team. I, there's a lot of KD to Portland talk, and they're plus 110 right now. Yeah. 110 to one out there. Um, that's probably where I would throw a couple of bucks right now, just because they do have some assets to move that Brooklyn could at least consider. There's a world where Minnesota's in that conversation too, right? I mean, they, they do have six guys, you know, and if they only needed four plus a new superstar, there's a world where. Minnesota could offer up two guys and get back a star. I, I like it. I like it quite a bit. I, but again, going back to our conversation at the beginning, you have to 
you have to see where a KD or a Kyrie can go to a team that is going to gel. And it's the one player that that team needs to get over the hump as opposed to. But but we got to remember that Brooklyn doesn't have to do that either. And Brooklyn does not have to do it. They could ship them to Houston tomorrow if they wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah, Um, absolutely. Scott, can New Orleans be Memphis this year? I think they could. Yeah, I, I do. I, uh, yeah, because New Orleans just did what they just did without Zion. So, I mean, what, it, what happens when they do get everybody in tow? And now even uh, they had a great draft, I thought. I, I just, they're probably a year away still, and, and, I'm, and I'm overthinking things. But they're sitting in the middle of these odds right now. And I just think maybe they belong up a little bit closer because of what could be here. Yeah, I, I, that is a team that I was kind of surprised to see at 60 to 1 here with the construction of the team. Mm-hmm. They must not be sold on the Zion situation and or point guard situation on that team, because otherwise I would have thought that they might have been a little bit higher than where they're slotted for right now. Um, the the two teams that I, in Memphis is one of them. The two teams I have eyes on are Memphis and, and Dallas. Sure. Because they are two teams that, yes, they they made deep runs or really good runs in the playoffs, but they're a team that they're both relatively deep. I think Dallas is a team that needs that one more person, whatever move it might be. And I've, you know, Kyrie had them on his list. So if he does go there and Brunson ends up leaving, that might be the linchpin to help things move forward for them mm. but those two teams i think from a a value standpoint outside of the 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 top dogs because if you go through the top dogs you know yeah i'm not there's something I'm not, to love about all of them except brooklyn there's something to love about all of them but brooklyn however the value that you're getting for them right now is not great right. unless you really think that they're going to be what they are and their odds are going to get better over the year um, mm-hmm. so I think from a, a value standpoint, if you think either of those teams can get over that last hump, then at 21 to one, the, I think those are pretty good values right now. Boy, I'll tell you what though. I don't know why you wouldn't just throw money on Milwaukee, even if it's not good value. Who's going to beat that team if they're healthy? Nobody would have this year. <laughs> right. Nobody, Chris Middleton. Nobody would have yeah. this year. And it's, fun, it's funny when we talk about that, you know, Chris Middleton injured. Yeah. You know, if you go back to Houston, Houston would probably have a, a, a championship if Chris Paul didn't get injured. Yeah. It always comes down to that yeah. one player. And that's why I say when you look at these odds, you really have to look at the the depth of a roster because if one player goes down, how much is it going to? really affect Mm -hmm. that team from winning the championship. So keep that in mind when you're, you're looking at these. All right, man. Good stuff. We'll talk soon. All right. Have a good one. Okay. My thanks to Scott and to Keith Smith for his great work on the website. He's at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. Lots of his work posted on spottrek.com as of today. My thanks to the athletic, check out the athletic.com slash spottrek. Get yourself 40% off that first year subscription. And please fantasy football nerds visit dynastyowner.com. Use spottrek 20 at checkout. Get yourself some money off and get started with the salary cap fantasy football program. You didn't know you needed for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the spot podcast.